Welcome, everyone, to the Aggregators and Brand Show. Today, I'm together with Omar, my co-host. Uh, this is Hai, the Eva and CEva.guru, CEO and co-founder. And we have a great guest uh, from Bopos, uh, Andrea and Ignacio. Uh, Andrea is from, like, today uh, joining us from Miami and Ignacio from Spain. So yep. we are super excited to have you guys today in our show. Thank you, hi. Thanks great. for having me. Welcome. It's it's so great to have you know people people from all over the world. You know. Yeah. So nice. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank yeah. you guys for for having us. That sometimes still you know uh, is a strange feeling, right? Like uh, Andre is in Miami. I'm in San Diego. You are in uh, Morocco. And we're all spread around the globe. Like we only need someone in Asia and Australia. We have everything more or less covered up. <laughs> yeah, I sometimes do these calls, uh, and I, I I find it like the world is like really flat, right? And Zoom is still flat, you know. Like I, I hope one day it will be more three D <laughs> version of the Zoom. Imagine uh, no, with, a holo- with the hologram, hologram that would be amazing. <laughs> yeah. You know, we stand and we sit at a table, you know, and and could all read together, speak together, have coffee. You know, that would be. Right. I think that is really something. Um, I was already thinking about. You know. Yeah, I mean, that's what uh, commercialize it. Yeah, that's what Meta is fighting for, right? Just to have that experience person to person and be more realistic. Exactly. Absolutely. So things are changing rapidly, same as uh, in the Amazon space. Um, And um, I mean, like, I mean, you guys are, you know, coming from like this great company, which helps uh, the sellers, the brands, as well as uh, small and medium sized aggregators, you know, like, Basically, you you make sure they they meet with each other like a dating <laughs> site, and uh, you know make sure that like you know the brands can exit and aggregators can find the best uh, brands or aggregators or any any other type of uh, acquirers obviously can find the best brands. Maybe let's start from there. Like you can explain us like what like what the company is doing and what you are doing in the company. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll jump in here. Um, basically, just to clarify what Bubos does, we do acquisition financing, right? So, yes, absolutely. We're kind of in the middle of that ecosystem. We're working with aggregators, especially smaller range aggregators, to help them raise capital, to build a portfolio faster, gain track, and then they can go raise equity, venture debt with a higher valuation without having to dilute in themselves so much upfront, right? And Ignatian Fad is our head of partnerships. He's the one that has been close, working very close with aggregators since the first day. So he's going to have a lot to talk about on that end. And on the other hand, we also work a lot with individual buyers. So people that are looking to acquire brands, Amazon, e-commerce, et cetera. So sellers have a potential exit, not just with the smaller aggregators or the big aggregators, of course, but also with individual buyers, which is something that sometimes perhaps we don't think as much. And then we also work as if we're in the middle of this ecosystem as the acquisition financing source. We also work with brokers. We partner with them to have them pre-approve their deals. So that's also a way that we can work with sellers sometimes more indirectly in the sense that we can pre-approve the financing for their businesses. And then they can just go to the potential buyer and say, hey, this is the business I'm selling. Let's say, to keep it very simple, I'm selling it for 500K, 1 million, but I already have this amount approved in financing. So it kind of helps them accelerate that process. 
Ignacio, is there anything here you would like to add, clarify? Yeah, so basically what I would like to add is uh, if you think about how private equity firms and the big private equity firms have been acquiring companies so for so many years, right? They're, they're used to doing leverage buyouts, right? So they're basically raising a small portion of equity and putting around 20% on a on a hundred million dollar business, they'll put in only twenty million. Then they raise debt for the remaining amount, right? That's what big aggregators such as Thrasio, Elevated Brands, Racer Group. That's how they're doing it, right? They're raising debt, they're raising equity, and then they're doing a portion in order to to make an acquisition. So we're bringing that leverage buyout product, and we're handing it to the individual buyer. So people like you and I could acquire a company. Perhaps you want to buy a $1 million brand. You obviously, or, or you might have a million dollar in the bank account for me right now. I don't have it, but let's say you have 200,000. So you could partner up with somebody like Bupos and do a micro uh, leverage buyout where we will fund up to 80% of the purchase price and you would only have to put in 20%, right? So that's the basic idea is just to, to give the ability to the individual buyer or the small aggregators, as Andrea was mentioning, to do a leverage buyout and acquired companies much quicker and gain traction faster than if you would if you were working with a traditional bank. Yeah. I mean, so I actually, idea. Oh, yeah, sorry. Very much. No, no, I just say, like, I think it's an amazing idea. Maybe I have like a million in the bank account, but I want to, I want to acquire five brands, right? Like, I mean, exactly. Why to put all my money into one? So uh, I can acquire five brands and maybe one of them will fail. I mean, three of them will have some mediocre performance, but one of them will have a great performance and maybe sell it after a year or two. So it makes mm -hmm. a lot of sense to balance your like investment portfolio and have ability to kind of expand to have like more, uh, you know, kind of different type of products in your portfolio that makes a lot of sense to me. Absolutely. So when you think about, uh, let's say, investing in real estate, right? Let's say you win the lottery or oh, the Powerball last week, which was at 1.3 billion, right? We all wanted that. But even if you win the Powerball and you wanted to buy a big house, you will never think of putting the whole purchase price as a down payment, right? You're always going to work on leveraging your capital and putting as little equity as you can and raising as much debt as you can, right? So even if you win the Powerball, you will still go to the bank and you will still get a mortgage uh, to buy down the house, right? That's the, exactly what we're doing is, okay, if you want to buy a business, if you have a million, don't use that all your equity and put all your eggs in one basket, diversify the risk, diversify your portfolio, right? So to give you a live example, we were working with a, with a buyer that recently sold his e-commerce company a few months ago. We, uh, he had a, uh, 1 million to invest in a company. So we were able to work with them. And in only six months, he's been able to acquire three companies where we have financed 700,000 for each one of those, right? So if you think about return of investment down the road in four or five years, once the debt, once the debt is already, already being paid off, if you're able to actually exit those companies, the return of investment that you're going to get of selling three companies compared to just one, even if you're able to increase that one business by a lot, the return of investment that you will get from those three deals is going to actually be much higher than only one individual. So as you were mentioning, hi, yeah, just diversify risk and portfolio. So actually... Just to make it clear for the for the audience, me and Hai, tomorrow we're going to say, okay, we have half a million. Um, let's go, Bubos. We uh, we need 
we need to acquire a few brands. Um, let's let's make a deal, and I need I need that money. Obviously, we we have the background, so let's let's buy some brands. Okay, so you come up with the money. How fast? So we can pre-approve deals in just forty-eight hours. We're way faster than a bank. Wow. So this is a different game. That's amazing. Completely That's different it. game. <laughs> yeah, you can bring your own deals since you're already in this ecosystem. You probably know sellers directly. Can reach out to them directly, bring your own proprietary deals and get our feedback on those in just 48 hours. And once you're working with Pupos, you can also take advantages of some of the resources we offer. So just pre-approved listings that we've already reviewed, okay. pre-vetted, they're good enough, they're ready ah. to go, they already have a term sheet in place, et cetera. So like kind of use us as your partner in analysis. And then once you have an LOI in place and you've agreed with the seller, we can actually get you funded in just seven days. Even less if you can copy the okay. business faster. So that, that, was my, that was actually my my second question, what you just meant, you know. Uh, so you 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 close the deal, you give us the funds actually to buy, but you can even help more. So you even can give us some pre-approved brands. So we don't have really, I mean, obviously we should search as well and have a look, but you can actually give us as well these brands on top of giving us the funds, and then we can buy um with the with the debt. And actually make more money. I, I think it's a it's a brilliant idea. And why why you should not do it? That's a, that's a, question. <laughs> a very good you, question. You know, it's a, it's just amazing. You know. So how how does the payment structure work? I mean, for years, um, do we look at uh, two years? We look at ten years? At five years? Um, can we? Is there some something like a deal where after one year, when you sell the other company again and you made the winnings, you can just you know, close everything up and everyone walks away with a percentage of the of the winnings or how does it usually work? Yeah, it's a little bit of both. It gives a lot of flexibility. Ignacio, do you want to take this one since I just took the last one? No, for sure. So uh, basically we have a five-year repayment period and we're always going to have prepayment incentives. So we're just going to structure the deal as a revenue-based lending, which means we're going to take a percentage of the monthly revenues until you repay the loan in full in within five years or even six years, right? So eventually, if you want to pay off the loan sooner, because let's say uh, you sell the company, as you mentioned, you did an exit and you have extra capital, you could always either repay us off and have a prepayment incentive, or you can restructure our financing, let's say, with another sources of funding. So we're going to give you basically... Uh, cap ceilings at which, hey, if you pay in one year, this is the total amount of capital that you have to pay back two years, three years, and four years, and so on. So we're basically going to give you your opt-out options at every year of the of the five-year term. Yeah, exactly. So at wow. the end of the day, it's just about offering useful financing, right? So some buyers, smaller aggregators, they rather take their debt to the end of year five, year six. We actually give an extra six year just for peace of mind of people. So they might take it to the end of the debt just so they can leverage their capital. Maybe they have other businesses that they want to reinvest in, especially if they're a smaller aggregator. Others might just be more aggressive in it and looking, as Ignacio was saying, for an exit in the third year, that's totally okay. There's going to be no prepayment penalties, just the opposite because it's about being useful, right? 
That's yeah. the philosophy behind Bubos. Look, it's super interesting. I'm sure that now uh, Omar is thinking like, you know, how much money? <laughs> <laughs> how much do I have? <laughs> you know, like, like, mm-hmm. How can we make this a deal? What's Yummy. the interest rate? Uh, so let's take a step back. Now, uh, we understand what Bopos is doing, and I think it's amazing. You know, it's it's a great vehicle now, like to to really make the things, uh, to, to accelerate the things, to make your dreams come true. Now, um, what we see in the aggregators market or brands and aggregators like small, medium, large, but, um, you know, if we go back to 18 months ago, I mean, uh, the aggregators were raising like hundreds of millions of dollars. I think it was around almost 13, 14 billion yeah. when, uh, we were checking this with Omar. It was like June, uh, 20, uh, 2022. It was like uh, 15 billion was raised in the last year. And then suddenly there was this Wall Street crash. And then a bit of a, like the Fed started increasing the uh, the interest rates. And then we have seen the overall venture capital market pretty much like going down every month. Uh, even I was checking um, yesterday. Uh, the um, the venture capital is almost like going down every quarter, 30% down. So it's still going down, less and less investments. Um, wow. so, um, and compared to last year, it's almost 65% down. And uh, what we see is like in the last six months, the aggregators ray- raised, and I'm talking about all types of them, a couple of hundred million dollars, you know. So compared to last year, it's like, Two percent, five percent of it, you know, like what has been raised. So, which means that certainly there is a problem with the with the big aggregators and the way that they they raise the money. But at the same time, there was another problem. The aggregators were also struggling with the operational stuff, like you know, acquiring all these brands and then trying to operate them, supply chain, product innovation, Amazon business. That was also a, an issue. Then we started seeing. Uh, starting from the beginning of this year, the successful brand owners, they think, hey, we can do the same. I mean, why shouldn't they, you know, kind of acquire other brands? And and I started to see like from March, April, May, that this micro aggregators started to raise. Actually, you know, what is an aggregator? If you have more than two brands, okay, we can call you an aggregator, let's say. But these micro aggregators are the successful brands and uh, they just want to buy supplementary brands or complementary or even competitive brands, right? Like to, to dominate that maybe a niche category. And this business model makes a lot of sense. Now, I mean, coming to November 2022, it makes a lot of sense for if you know how to operate an Amazon business and want to, you know, kind of acquire three other brands, which are smaller than you, makes a lot of sense. Then what's your view about that? Like with the whole market and the way that you see it right now? Yeah, absolutely. So that's actually a, a, a pretty good statement. We've been talking to many aggregators two years ago where they very they were very confident about their ability to raise capital. All of a sudden, the big news of the big aggregators started racing and then all of a sudden they reach out to us back again saying, hey, what I thought I was going to raise four or five million, 
I only ended up uh, racing just one, right? But one of the other things that you mentioned, which is quite interesting, is how how do you grow? If you have a company, any type of company, what are your ways of growing the, the whatever brand or company, right? You could either uh, decrease the cost of goods, right? How much your cost of goods uh, cost. You could increase the price of your business, right? To increase the margins, or you could grow by M&A, right? So right now, how the market is being with inflation and everything is really, really hard to decrease the cost of goods sold, right? With the shipment problems that we're seeing, uh, we're finding that all the aggregators that they thought they were going to basically reduce the overall cost of the of the brands, they haven't been successful as much as they thought they were going to be, right? The only thing, the only, also one of the things that you could do is raise the prices so you have more margins, right? However, we also see that the market is very competitive, so there's not a lot of chances of doing so. The third option we have is just grow by acquisition, right? And that's the something that you mentioned is that, hey, if you have a small brand and you want to grow, instead of focusing on how you could make the whole cost of good lower, why don't you focus on acquiring brands that are similar to you and just grow by eventually buying out uh, a bit of another company, right? So that's another good option for you to grow is just if you have a small brand or if you have to, think about what's your next acquisition is going to be. And in this sense, you can also use those synergies as operational leverage, which was kind of the big issues that aggregators had when they started to buy a lot of companies, hiring a lot of people without really a solid strategy behind it. If you actually do it on the micro level, everything that Ignacio just said, 100%, and it gives you this operational leverage, which at the same time will allow you to reduce costs kind of intrinsically. Makes a lot of sense. And instead of Definitely. like, if you think about then the echoes, the M&A market, instead of like 50 big aggregators trying to acquire, let's say a thousand brands, then we are talking about like maybe 10,000 brands trying to acquire another 20,000 brands, which makes a lot of sense. And I was giving that recommendation, for example, to a brand, there is something called a market basket analysis uh, done with Amazon, which means that the people who purchase your product, like they purchase it with another product, for example. And I was just like, you know, giving the idea to, to this brand owner, like, why don't you buy this other brand? Because like almost 60% of the like people, like people buy this other product, like when they buy your product, 60% of the time they buy this That's other product right. too. So just by acquiring the other brand and positioning a bundle rather than a, a virtual bundle, a real bundle, the revenue can be even much more uh, as long as, you know, the interest is better, you know, lower than the profit, right? I mean, that's uh, always the struggle. Uh, but, I mean, it makes a lot of sense, I mean, moving forward. So is that the trend that you see? Like, what's the trends that you see in the last six months? Is it like the, the acquisition market is like you see less acquisitions or or the acquirers changed uh, or the brands which are selling changed? So how, how did it change for you? And what's your expectation for 2023? Yeah, so in my case, for instance, and let's see, Matthew, if you agree with this or you have a different version since he works very closely with aggregators. When it comes to individual buyers, we haven't really seen a slowdown in the number of M&A deals that are happening. What I think we've seen is probably more in alignment with the asking multiples between the expectations of sellers and the expectation of buyers before 
asking multiples were very high because there was a Thrasio out there that was willing to pay a 9x or 10x multiple, right? Right now we're seeing that kind of settling down probably and meeting. What we have seen perhaps is more of movement toward from e-commerce and Amazon towards content-based sites hmm. that perhaps weren't as popular before. They seem to be gaining traction. Perhaps it's just a trend and a hype since at the end of the day, e-commerce and Amazon has been more steadily there for a few more years, let's say. But we have seen a peak on those most recently. And then when it comes to the profile of buyers on an individual level, I hadn't actually noticed this since you mentioned it. But it is true that lately, on a personal basis, I've been talking more with owners of other e-commerce stores that are looking to grow through acquisitions versus starting and building something new or as Ignacio was saying, reducing costs, increasing prices, versus before more individual buyers that came from other contexts or backgrounds that were looking to diversify into online businesses. Perhaps we're seeing more experienced buyers now that are looking to pursue that strategy. I don't know, Ignacio, what do you think? No, I would 100% agree in, in terms of what are the assets that people are pursuing more. Uh, and I, I usually run the, the relationship with the brokers, so F International and Pirate Flippers quite like, they all agree on the same thing is that but there's the same or even more number of acquisitions in the online space. However, buyers are kind of changing towards that marketing agencies roll up, content sites roll up and other online assets, whereas the SaaS owners are holding their deals because of the multiples decreasing. They don't want to sell right now. They want to they rather hold their assets for one more year or two years just just to think if the asking multiples go back to normal. So we've seen a kind of a, a change into what buyers are looking for. I mean, when I, when I look at it's it's a really good uh, conclusion, what you just said. And when I'm looking at um, actually, when I, when I asked the question, where did all the, where did actually the aggregators get the funds from there? We can see that actually uh, there is no way that there is like a, a cutoff, or, or like uh, there is no more funds because when we talk about BlackRock, Goldman Sachs, and and all the the, the big companies or bank capital, I think or how it looks, it looks more like a little break. Um, they're watching the football game now, you know, and they're checking out what, what is going on. And once once they see there is another entry, they can they pump again a, a lot of cash inside, and then it will go uh, it will go back up again. Um, it's just my you know how, how i see the situation you know so maybe you see it differently high but when when all of these big players are, are in the game and there is so much money to make uh i don't i really don't believe that there is a, like a, a stop or halt uh completely of what is going on because the e-commerce space is so big but on the other hand there is not like i mean for individual for normal uh, for normal class, there's not too much information of uh, for, for normal sellers, for example, as well. There's not too much information out there. It's more when you search for it, you will really see. But it's it's contradictory because the numbers the numbers are serious. So normally numbers should be covered like uh, on mainstream media uh, everywhere, but they don't. So sure, sure. something is still waiting there, and something will still grow bigger. What do you think, Hi? Uh, well, I think so too. Um, it's kind of like, you know, there is always a gold rush into one thing first, but then what happens is it becomes a commodity 
like the D2C brands, for example, they were more popular before Amazon FBA, right? And uh, then the Facebook, Apple thing and the Google PPC cost started to increase. Um, you know, it was not easy to advertise on Facebook because of the Apple changed, uh, you know, a couple of things, right, with the I- iOS system. And then what happened is like, it's very hard to grow the D2C brand without investing like hundreds of thousands of dollars. And now in the Amazon space, um, we see, you know, like every private label brand is trying to make at least 20% profit, but every day it's becoming harder and harder. Now, if that profit levels, let's say, go down to 10%, then what's the point of, you know, kind of buying money at a 10% rate and then try to run a business at a 10% profit? You know, it's also an equation of like, if, if you give me money for 10% interest, in a, if I'm able to make 20% profit, then it's a no-brainer. I will buy, the, you know, buy the, 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 the money and uh you know like kind of invest into something that's not my money so it's like you know i just you know get somebody else's money and make money out of somebody else's money right so that that's the that's the whole idea here but um i see that like i mean things are also getting saturated by the time uh that was very interesting that andrea mentioned that there is a a shift from e-commerce and amazon uh, you know kind of companies towards content and I was kind of interested what she meant by that. Like, you know, if you can elaborate a bit on that, like what type of companies are more popular right now? Absolutely. So I think more than a shift is that we're seeing a lot of content bases that weren't so popular before. So for instance, before, let's say that 70% of the buyers were looking at e-commerce and SaaS. Uh, yeah, e-commerce and SaaS, generally, right? So like the most popular. And you had a 30% that were more into content and so on. Now it's content seems to be increasing a little bit more. And don't get me wrong, the good e-commerce and Amazon deals, they're still there. And in fact, what I think is that in times, in more challenging times, that's when you get a better opportunity for growth because that's when the good businesses are still competitive. As a buyer, you can get better deals. As a seller, you can still sell your business at a good deal if you're a good business. Right? So they're still there. There's just a lot of the not so good deals that were still popular because of the hype of e-commerce and Amazon. Perhaps those are not there anymore. Buyers are getting more picky with what they're buying. Just for what you were saying, you're not going to invest your money if you're not going to get a return on investment. And content is just like the new kid in town. That's kind of the impression that I get. Yeah. And by content, really any content based, us personally, we're still testing our waters with content. We find them a little bit more risky, for instance, because they depend more on the experience of the operator, creating content, of course, Google's algorithms, and so on. So we see more volatility than what you see in an established Amazon or e-commerce business. I understand. No, that's that's super interesting. So uh, I think, you know, this was amazing because like you kind of introduced this really new vehicle, like the the BOPOS helping uh, the buyers to, uh, you know, to, to buy faster, and I think this is really fascinating. So I'm pretty sure that, you know, there will be a lot of brands in our audiences now start thinking about like, hey, what, how can I grow, you know, by using the M&A as a vehicle rather than just organic growth or advertising-based growth. And that's a great option. And thank you for doing that. 
Now, maybe a final question on my side, uh, maybe Omar has some other question too, is what's your view of the 2023? Like, what do you expect or what do you advise uh, also to the brands? So one thing uh, before before answering your question is, so not only for brands that are willing to expand and grow, Bupus could be useful, but also for those brands that are still thinking of selling their business, they could also go through us in order to get their deals pre-approved uh, in order to for a potential buyer to get financing, right? So perhaps let's say you're a seller and you want to reach out to Empire Flippers, Quite Light, Website Closers, or any other brokers that you want to choose. You could also kind of go to Bupos first, see if a business is, gets pre-approved for financing, and then go to these brokers to help you sell the business and say, hey, I already got pre-financed by Bupos. This way, you know the the percentage of buyers that will be willing to acquire the company or will be able to acquire the company will increase drastically, right? So that's also another option is that not only if you're a buyer looking to expand, but also if you're a seller looking to sell, there's always a higher chances for you to sell your business if there's financing available, right? So also reach out to us. And regarding the 2023, uh, in my opinion, and Andrea can can give her opinion. (laughs) um, So I think we're going to be looking at a, the same level that we're seeing right now uh, up till perhaps June, July. And then uh, starting, let's say, mid next year, we'll be able to see more uh, increasement in, ter- in terms of the asking multiples, the volume and everything. I think the economy will start raising again in the next mid year. But that's completely, I think, my opinion. Uh, we don't have any data right now backing up that we're going to see the, the end of the tunnel. Uh, perhaps it's just my personal opinion uh, based on on good faith, but I don't know if Andrea wants to add something that that, he, that she's seen that I've missed. I actually agree with you a hundred percent. I get the impression sometimes that there's a lot of media panic and bad news that will make consumers, buyers, sellers, etc., more sensitive to these issues. But when you actually go to real life, it's not as bad as it seems. So I couldn't agree more that once this kind of tunnel is over. I would say same timing as Ignacio, probably expecting to see a, a big spike because aggregators are still there, even the big ones. Some of them consolidated, but they're still there. The money is still there, as Omar was saying before. That's Great, that's point. amazing. One, one, one question, one question for me. What is it? What is your um, uh, your message to anyone, any of the sellers out there for 2023? Because you know, uh, people want to grow. Um, they want to make more. They want to uh, buy. What is your uh, what is your 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 general message? You know mine, I think, from our last podcast together. So I'm letting Nathie take this one first, and then I'll. Uh, I would say, uh, be patient. Uh, there is an old saying in Spain: "Is uh, dress me slow because I'm in a hurry." Right. So if you're in a really hurry to sell, if you really want to sell, you really want to do things uh, uh, and exit fast. Make sure you do all the pre-steps earlier uh, before trying to sell too fast, right? That means that if you want to grow, make sure you have a a long-term plan in order to how you're going to reach that goal of growing, right? And if you want to sell, make sure you prepare your business well for sale. Uh, When you want to sell the business, it's not not just a matter of saying, hey, I want to sell and let's see if there's an interested buyer next week, right? You want to make sure that you work with a P&L, you work on the numbers, you basically dress up pretty your your e-commerce or your business in order to make the sale right so uh the suggestion will be uh dress me slow if you're in a hurry 
And mine is kind of linked. For me, it's always about, it's a very classic one. It's my mantra, cash is king. If you're looking to sell, you want to make sure that you have the cash in there, that the profit makes sense. If you're looking to buy, you want to invest into something that is going to give you a return on investment. So cash is king. It's as simple as it gets. If the numbers make sense, that's a success already. Great. Let's close this one with cash is king, you know? <laughs> I heard this. I heard this yesterday in a meeting. We had a meeting with the uh, with the CEO of of another big company, and he said exactly the same. You know, um, cash is king. One one of my professors <laughs> at university used to say that, and the MBA. He was always he was saying that the one takeaway you need to get from this class is cash is king, and it's took. <laughs> Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. Actually, very interesting. Uh, I remembered, like, I did the MBA in Barcelona, like a part of Ooh, Oh, okay. <laughs> you just remembered. I, 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 yes. <laughs> I mean, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's a joint MBA with um, the, the Michigan uh, University, University of Michigan, and uh, the IESE in Barcelona. And uh, oh, right, that's cool. like, at some point, I was thinking, hey, I'm working for nothing because I need to get the capital first. Like, you know? <laughs> Otherwise, it's really one person. Like you know, like the, the smarter you are, you you can be a genius, but without the capital, you know, you are pretty much nothing. You know, like you you always need the money. So um, cash is king. We like that, and I think it was super helpful for both uh, aggregators as well as the brands. I also like what Ignacio mentioned about the. Uh, the sellers to be pre-approved by Bupos because it's almost like, hey, you don't really need to, uh, spend uh, time to, to find 80% of the deal because it's already there and just go and find the 20, 25% of the deal and, and come back and, and we already have our, you know, pre-approved financer. I think that's a amazing uh, deal. It's like, I'm just buying the, the next, I don't know, BMW car and I don't need to think <laughs> about somebody, you know, like, I don't need to think about the, the whole amount of money, right? So, I like that very much too. So thank you very much, Andrea and Ignacio for joining us today. And uh, I mean, um, looking forward to working with you uh, also uh, together. So thank you. Thank you, Ignacio. Thank you all. Thank you guys. Thanks thank for you having us. Much. Bye. Have a pleasure. Great conversation. Thank you.